Good morning. We welcome you to Grapevine Baptist Church. We are so glad you've chosen to be with us this morning. We ask that you be in prayer for this day. We ask that you be in prayer for this service. And if you haven't got your copy of the Bible, God's Word with you, take a moment to get that so you can follow along as we look to the Word of God momentarily. We're so thankful that you've allowed us to come into your homes. And I do ask that you'll continue to be in prayer for our country, for our president, for our leaders, for our community. And pray for Grapevine Baptist Church. We continue to serve the Lord. We continue to send the gospel out every day. But we thank you for being a part with us. Again, you can give your tithes and offerings by going online. You can mail them into the church. You can drop them off any day, 9 to 2, between Monday and Friday. And then you can also tune in to Facebook and you can find the broadcasts that are taking place of our other ministries every day. So realize that. If you have prayer concerns, prayer needs, I encourage you, email those to us, text those to us, or you can phone call the church and let us know what's taking place, what we need to be praying about in your life or your family's life. In the future, hopefully very soon, we will be doing a drive-in church service. It will be in our church parking lot to start with. At the same time, we will continue to do this broadcast here. So those of you who are only able to watch online, you'll be able to continue to be a part with us. But we thank you for being with us today. I'm thankful for the praise group that's with us this morning. But let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you, Father, for your grace. I thank you, Father, for your word. I pray, God, your Holy Spirit move with power upon our lives this day. Speak to us, God, and let us respond to you in obedience. Save souls, God. Deliver people from addictions, Father. Heal bodies. And, God, we just come to you asking that you be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. church family let's stand together and let's sing all fly away as we worship together come on here we go here we go some right some glad morning when this life is over Sure, I'll fly away. In 
If you will take your copy of God's Word and you will turn to the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 18. Also, we'll be looking at the book of Luke chapter 21, and I want to read one verse out of the book of Revelation chapter 15. But look what it says in the book of Jeremiah chapter 18, beginning with verse 6. O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter, saith the Lord? Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in mine hand, O house of Israel. At what instant I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to pluck up and to pull down and to destroy it. If that nation against whom I have pronounced turn from their evil, I will repent of the evil that I thought to do unto them. Now look what it says in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 21. Look at verse 11. And great earthquakes shall be in divers places, and famines, and pestilences, and fearful sights, and great signs shall there be from heaven. But before all these, they shall lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogue and into prisons, being brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. And then look what the Word of God says in the book of Revelation chapter 15 and verse 1. And I saw another sign in heaven, and great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them is filled up the wrath of God. I had shared with you last week that I had planned on preaching on the Bible in COVID-19, and as I was looking to this message, and as I was trying to prepare this message, I am not a prophecy preacher, but I do understand some things in biblical prophecy. I am a revivalist, but, I, but, but to understand what the Word of God says, I, I think we have to look at it closely. Now, this morning as I was preparing, I, I, I looked at the Sermon Audio news page, and the Sermon Audio news page had, a, had an article by the famous theologian Hulk Hogan. Now, does that kind of surprise you? Because it kind of took me back a bit. But Hulk Hogan, he said, he's one of the most popular professional wrestlers of all times, and he said, this is a calling for a Christian 
revival. And he made this on his Facebook page on April the 12th of 2020. And concerning the corona pandemic, he says he sees one silver lining. Now listen to what he says. He says, in three short months, just like God did with the plagues of Egypt, God has taken away everything we worship. God said, you want to worship athletes? I will shut down the stadiums. You want to worship musicians? I will shut down civic centers. You want to worship actors? I will shut down theaters. You want to worship money? I will shut down the economy and collapse the stock market. You don't want to go to church and worship me? I'll make it to where you can't go to church. Maybe we don't need a vaccine. Maybe we need to take this time of isolation from the distractions of the world and have a personal revival where we focus on the only thing in the world that really matters, Jesus. Now, I was amazed as I read that this morning because regardless of what everybody's saying that we're going to get through this, Regardless of what everybody's saying, everything's going to be all right. We need to listen to what the Word of God is saying to us for such a time as this. You see, this pandemic of the coronavirus strain, COVID-19, has given us another real-time example of how quickly world conditions can change and give rise to fear and panic. And we say, God, where are you? God, what are you saying? When the stock market destabilized and whole nations diverted resources and attention to containment and cities and regions were quarantined, it was like a storm that was rising quickly on the horizon and before anyone could discern what was happening and say, take shelter, man, it slams the society and it upends our normal life and, and fear has been the common reaction. Fear of the unknown. Fear of where is this going to lead? Will it kill hundreds? Will it kill thousands? Will it kill hundreds of thousands? What will happen to our economy? What will impact our travel plans? How will this impact our national elections? What about our families? What about our church? And people are wondering, will we ever get back to normal again and regain control? God, what are you saying? Almost 25 years ago, the church growth movement said teaching any kind of eschatology would not grow the church. And yet information that comes out of Lifeway Research says for too long many pastors have shied away from the teaching on birth pangs and events leading up to the second coming of the Lord. But the current pandemic demonstrates the need for solid, non-sensational preaching done in a biblical manner. The world is in a meltdown mode right now and people are asking a lot of questions and we don't know if life will ever go back to what it once was. It may not. So where is God? Is God speaking? Yes! He speaks! He speaks through difficulties. He speaks through circumstances. He speaks through disasters. He speaks through pestilence. He speaks through plagues. He speaks through famines. Will we listen? Will you listen? Eastern Bible Dictionary defines a plague as a stroke of affliction or disease sent as a divine chastisement. 
And the term plague comes from several words in the original biblical languages. In the Hebrew word, it, it, it's, it's dabar, to mean plague or pestilence. In the New Testament world, or word, it is lomos and plege. It's the word that Jesus used there in Luke 21, 11 that we just read, where various places will be famines and pestilence. It's the word we read in Revelation 15 word, where he said, I saw the, the, the seven plagues. Some 50 times the word plague is used throughout the Bible. And, there, and there's two major lessons to glean from a biblical plague. One, a biblical plague is a part of God's judgment against sin. Sometimes God sends plagues or pestilence against unbelievers. That was the case in Egypt when they had enslaved the people of God and oppressed them. Other times, God sends plagues against his own people to judge their sin. See, God had sent numerous prophets throughout the, the land of Judah, but they did not listen. They did not turn from their sin. Jeremiah said, though they fast, I will not hear their cry. Though they offer burnt offering and grain offering, I will not accept them, but I will consume them by the sword, by famine, by pestilence. Jeremiah 14, 12. And the second lesson is to understand from a biblical plague that, that God usually extends mercy in a time of plague. Is COVID-19 a plague akin to biblical plagues akin? Yes. So we can't presume on what all God is doing. God certainly has a right to judge. I mean, I mean, you at answer me do you think God is impressed with the United States of America Billy Graham said some 65 years ago and what I just realized was we've got a whole generation that don't even know who Billy Graham was but he said if God doesn't judge America he's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah how much truer is that word today I mean listen prior to all the shutdowns in America 3,000 babies were being murdered every day through abortion so much more than COVID-19 sexual immorality runs rampant even in the church and as a culture, we have largely abandoned God's word as a standard of right and wrong, and we've replaced it with the opinions of man and man's word. And even our nation's highest court voted homosexually was right in opposition to the word of God. Is God impressed with America? We live in a land where we have created this fake Jesus we live in a time where we say, oh, oh, God doesn't punish sins. God is a God of love. He's a God of sentimentalism. And all this is caused by incompetency of a, of a scientist. Or, But that's not the Jesus of the Bible. Richard Niebuhr in 1938, 1938, said this with this concern he said a God without wrath brought man without sin into a kingdom without judgment through the ministrations of Christ without a cross there was a 30-year study done that is called moralistic therapeutic deism that has become the accepted belief in America 
Al Mohler identifies this as the new American religion. And here are the marks of moralistic therapeutic deism. A God exists who created and orders the world and watches over human life on earth. And God wants people to be good, nice, fair to each other as taught in the Bible and by most human religions. The central goal of life is to be happy and to feel good about oneself. And God does not need to be particularly involved in one's life except when God is needed to resolve a problem. And good people go to heaven when they die. And most people are good. Nothing about the cross, nothing about Jesus Christ shedding his blood, nothing about the substitutionary death that Jesus did on Calvary Street, nothing about faith, nothing about repentance. It's all about me. That's a far cry from what the Word of God says true salvation is. Is God speaking? Yes. God is a loving God, but his love is holy love. And the gospel that we have, it must be preached. The Word of God is infallible. The Word of God is inerrant. The Word of God is all-sufficient. The Word of God is authority. It's absolute truth. And we don't dare water it down. Preaching that points everything to Christ, insisting upon His Lordship and our submission, our repentance and faith, it tends to separate wheat from the chaff. And it makes the unconverted very uncomfortable and your responsibility and my responsibility is we must look to God and to the Word of God see our world our global world it fosters a trust and a reliance on the state or on the nation hear me people are looking to leaders people are looking to the party people are looking to the system people are looking to the government to provide for our needs and to protect us from enemies have you read revelation chapter 17 verse 13 and 14 revelation chapter 3 verse 3 and 4 because you see the bible shows and in the years ahead the world conditions will get so bad that people will secede sovereignty to a totalitarian system called the beast and a supranational political and economic spiritual power that promises them order and security the beast because we trust in man not God and gradually over the time nations have become more secular in religion and people are placing their hope in their government and what has happened to the church over the years is the church in America we have have grown acceptable to the government acceptable to the world and, and as soon as that happened issues started to 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 emerge compromise started to emerge do you know where the church is growing do you know where the church is reaching out and, and winning souls amazingly it's in persecuted lands and for the most part we have departed from its biblical foundation and we've departed from the faith that defines us. We've, we've departed in our spirituality. We've departed in our morality. We've departed in ethics. We've departed in culture. We've departed in our biblical worldview. We, we've compromised and 
we become an entertainment center. We become man center. We become performance center. But, but God, Christ must be first. And when the church gained acceptance by the world, we became weak. And when we became weak, we've lost our radical nature. We lost our revolutionary power. We have this form of godliness, but, but we deny the very power of God. And so, so for that to be restored to the church, the church has got to be separated. There's got to be a, a, a disestablishing from the world. There's a cost. It's not easy believism. Have you realized how ever-increasing our society is non-Christian? That's the greatest little box that's checked now on, on different things that ask that. But even greater is we're ever becoming anti-Christian. And so God is speaking and he's speaking to the church and he said, wake up. Realign with me. Come back to me. And God sends signs and they're signs of the times. And will you listen? Will you respond see the end of the age is going to be marked by an ever-increasing war and famine and disease pandemics but but an ever-increasing fear of of these things and a worsening calamity and so the coronavirus it should be a wake-up call for us see, see don't take things for granted we don't always have that option that it's always going to be here don't take the Word of God for granted. Don't take your prayer time for granted. Don't take the church for granted. Don't take Christ for granted. God is speaking, and God is going to send judgment at some point all across this world. And so we're called as, as his children to seek God in good times and in bad times. See, your responsibility and mine, it's the same. And God is intimately involved in everything that's transpiring. And even when it looks like things are falling apart, God is in control. Hallelujah. He's still on his throne. See, see the issue speaks to our mortality. Because isn't that our fear? If I catch COVID-19, I could die. And I think we need to be smart and we need to practice health precautions. But hear me, death comes to everybody. But as a child of God, we're going to a better place. <laughs> this world is not my home. You see, see, and that's the part of our problem. We have so settled down in this world that we think this is my home. This is my permanent place. No, we are pilgrims here. We're just wandering but we're all going to die. Look what it says in Luke chapter 13. He says, of those 18 of whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed, do you think they were worse offenders, sinners, than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No. But unless you repent, you will also likewise perish. Guys, in the midst of all this, at your workplace, at your neighborhood, wherever you have engaged others, man, if you're saved... You've got an eternal home. You should have a calmness because it's appointed unto men once to die. Then after that, the judgment. But, but guys, for a child of God, this is not our home. See, see, we have to understand that, that, that we're prone to become so comfortable here and that 
we forget that we're strangers here just passing through. And we don't need to store up earthly treasures. Because all this stuff that we try to gather and accumulate, it won't last. But God has promised to provide our needs, not our greeds. And it's so easy to get our eyes off of Christ. But we've got to stay focused. Because he says, I'm going to supply every spiritual need you have. I'll supply the physical needs that you have. But death is inevitable. Are you ready to die? Do you know that you know that you know if Christ were to come today, call you today, you would be with him in glory? You can. The Bible says these things are written that you may know that you have eternal life. This is not our home. We're just passing through. Second thing he says is redeem the time. We can get so caught up in worldly pleasures that this crisis situation reminds us that, man, there's a lost world that desperately needs a Savior. There's people who don't know Jesus Christ and, and you can have the opportunity to share God's Word with them and, and, and let God's Word give you strength and God's Word give you guidance. But redeem the time, prioritize your time, saying, God, I, I want to be used for your glory. See, time marches on and none of it can be recalled. And only what is done for Christ is all that really matters. And what I, I, I get from this is, 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 what is faith? See, see, if you're a child of God, you were saved by grace through faith. And you are called to live by faith. And yet when I look at the Bible and I read the stories of, of men of faith, I get overwhelmed because I think, man, I don't measure up. I look at Abraham when God spoke to Abraham and said, take your son of promise, Isaac, and offer him there on the mountain unto me. And he went. And I just stand amazed at that type of faith. I read the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and here they refused to bow to the idol and they said if you don't bow we're going to throw you into the fiery furnace and they said Lord be it known to you this day King our God is able we'll never bow and they marched them to the mouth of the furnace and they cast them in and I, I look at their faith and I just, I just stand amazed thinking Lord I don't come close to that I, I look at the story of Daniel when, when he was there and he was thrown into the lion he was 85 years old God says, I want you to live by faith. And the Bible teaches that we have the same faith type they have. In Hebrews 11, it says, Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with a sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. I look back and I say, the world wasn't worthy of these people. And I just beg God, said, Father, let me be faithful. Is that not your desire? 
that you be faithful to the end? See, God has a right to judge. He owns everything. He owns everything. He knows what is best, what is right. He he has a righteous judgment. He is in charge. He has a plan. He has a will. It will be done. In Genesis chapter 12, you find God speaking, I will bless them that bless thee, and I will curse them that curse thee. Talking to Abraham and of Israel. And I look at the United States in context with this, and I see the United States of America has at least one primary reason for existence, and I believe it is to lift up and to support Israel. And when we stop that, why are we here? And I believe that's why God birthed our country. I believe that's why God has blessed us. And if we stop that, we may be over as a nation. Is God Yes. He's saying, get ready. Get ready. This is the beginning of birth pangs. See, God knows all things, and we don't. And God's purpose is oftentimes beyond our understanding. But we need to understand He is God. And we need to know what it means to repent. And we need to know what it means to worship Him. Napoleon Bonaparte was made a lonely surprise visit one night to the outpost of sentries on one of the vital positions of the battlefield. And one sentry after another challenged him until he came to a strategic place and no sentry spoke up. Because this sentry had laid his gun aside and had laid down to take a nap. And so Napoleon picked up his rifle and he stood guard. Finally, that sentry awoke. He was shocked. He was stunned. He was ashamed. He had been caught napping. When the Lord Jesus Christ of glory returns, when the King of kings, Almighty God, sends his Son, will he find you sleeping? Or will he find you at your post of duty? Let us be found faithful. Let us not go back to normal. Let us be found faithful. Let us be more fervent in our prayer. Let us be found faithful. Let us be more intentional in our witness. Let us be found faithful. Let us be willing to suffer for Christ. Let us be found faithful. Let us trust God completely. Let us seek God wholeheartedly. Let us love him supremely. Let us be found faithful. So when Jesus does appear, we're not ashamed. And there's no question of whose we are. Father, I pray. God, I pray you speak. I pray, God, you draw, you convict. I pray, God, you be glorified, you be exalted. And through what we're facing, God, let us shine as beacons of light to a lost world. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.
promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. And you are way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you every heart I worship you I worship you you are here healing every heart I worship you I worship you and you are way Keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. And you are way miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. And you are here, turning worship you. You are here mending every heart. I worship you. I worship you. And you are way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God. And you are way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are, and that is who you are, and that is who you are, that is who you